Recovery is possible. Mike Rowe here with a gentle reminder that civilization is held together by pipes, wires, and cables. It's true. There are over 5 million miles of gas lines, power lines, fiber optic lines, water lines, and sewer lines all buried beneath your feet. And every 60 seconds, somebody digs into one. Look, if you're thinking about digging around, do yourself a favor and call 811 first just to find out what's down there. Trust me, you don't want to find out the hard way. Call or click 811 before you dig and visit safeexcavator.com for more info. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the Studio. I'm Tom King, and look at this. It's Merle Kelch in the studio this morning. Who knew? I would have thought that at this point, with the market doing what it's doing, you would be in witness protection somewhere. Well, I drink a lot more. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. I would imagine, since we've talked to you last here in the studio, you've been taking a lot of calls and uh, ta- trying to talk your clients down off the ledge, I guess. Tell us what you tell people when the market is behaving like it is, um, closing under 30,000 uh, on Friday. Yeah, for the first time since November of 20. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, 20 was. You know, the, the, here, here's the thing. Well, I started out and I, I bring all the paperwork from 2021, which was a really good year. Then I bring the stuff from this year. And I said, you want the good news or the bad news? And before they can answer, I said, well, let me show you the good news. So you show them 21. Say, look at all this great rate of return we did in 21. And we just gave it back. Yeah, that's the best way we can look at it, really. Because, I mean, you, you look at it for this year, it stinks. I mean, it, that, folks, it's, it's tough out there. It's, I mean, it stinks. But if we look at it over two or three years, our averages come down to be something normal, and that's kind of part of the marketplace. And whenever we're going into a, an inflationary slash recessionary environment, which we are right now, it always stinks. And this is no doubt about it, except we seem to be getting whipsawed a little bit more because of Russia, Ukraine, in the middle of that, and, and uh, the whole global economy having the same issue, which is inflationary dollars because of the pandemic. So we're all in the same boat together, and everybody's trying to figure out which is the right way to which to do so. And we won't know that, of course, until it's done. Uh, but everybody is out there as far as economies, uh, countries, central banks, all trying to figure out the right way to do this without causing the, the least amount of harm. I had a friend who suggested that uh, no matter what the Fed tries to do here, there is it is going to be a hard landing. But he is suggesting that the recession, when it does come, won't last as long as previous recessions, that it may be shorter in duration. Yeah, you know, it, it could be shorter and it could be a little bit more uh, direct and hit um, uh, faster. Let me share this, Tom, where I, where I think we're, we might end up having going with this. You know, it used to be, Tom, we had a system called a scarce reserve, and we now have what's called an abundant reserve inside of the Federal Reserve System. So the scarce reserve is this. And so, Tom, let's say you and I are banks, and at the end of the day, our books have to balance. We have to have a certain amount of money inside of reserves. And if I don't have enough and you got a little extra, I can pay you interest for that money. It's called overnight money. And I can borrow that money overnight to make sure my books balance with the Federal Reserve at the end of the day. But it's, they still have to uh, balance. But if you have excess reserves, you don't have to borrow to me. Now the Federal Reserve will pay you interest. And it wasn't that way until about 14 years ago, 15 years ago, somewhere in there. And so with that then, with the Federal Reserve continuing to keep increasing the interest rate at the discount window, which is, by the way, that area that it's called, um, eventually it comes time um, where banks can say, well, why do we want to take on the risk to lend to Bob, Larry, Mary, Jerry, why do we want to take the risk of lending them money that they may not pay me back when I can essentially get the same interest rate or the same spread by just put it, keeping the money in reserves at the discount window at the Federal Reserve? Now, I may not have all the words right, but think about this. So if banks say, well, geez, interest rates are high enough now, I can just I don't have to lend the money back out. I can do it risk-free. 
um, with the Federal Reserve. Why wouldn't they do that? It's going to stop lending, and guess what that's going to do to the economy? It's going to it's going to be a stop button. And, and I, I fear for that, and I hope it doesn't come, but it might. Um, and I think that happens. We're going to see the economy almost shut off for a certain period of time. Now, that said, it doesn't mean that business is going to stop. That's not going to be the case. But we're going to see some dramatic drop-offs in bank-bank lending, and so we may not see some expansion. And that very well might take care of inflation faster than what the Federal Reserve thinks. So just my observation on stuff. I'm not sure if I'm right or not. Let's go to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hello. Hello. Go ahead. Hello. Hello there. Yeah, you're with us. Go ahead. Hello. Hello. You should be able to hear us. Hello. Go ahead. You're on. Go ahead. Yes, this is Richard. I'm wondering, I'm in my uh, 70s, and I uh, have some cash I like to put to work. Uh, what would you suggest? Lottery tickets. Yeah. No, just teasing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Richard, um, I, I love what Warren Buffett always says at times like this. He says you want to buy at the time of worst pessimism, and this certainly would be it. Um, there's a lot of economists, and I read multiple ones this morning as I'm getting ready for the radio show, um, and it's saying that the, the market is certainly oversold, especially as a result of this past week and how the market has come down. So based upon the profits that companies have, yada, yada, um, uh, the market is oversold. And so I, I think that's probably the case, too. And so it's not just me saying that in my opinion. And so from that, there's a lot of good quality companies that are out there that are on sale right now. And, uh, of course, you can't go out and name the companies. But, you know, those companies, of course, make good quality mutual funds. And you look at good quality mutual funds and companies, and you're buying them on a discount. Um, are you going to make quick money in six months? No, not at all. But it's probably a really good time uh, to put some money in. You're looking at for two years or three years or four years down the road. I think now is a great time to start looking at some stuff in the equity marketplace. And and I don't think that's a bad idea. Now, in the short term, um, I think bonds are going to become pretty good, are going to be priced pretty well. Um, I think not yet, but really, really close. You're going to be able to find uh, some nice prices on bonds. We're going to have an interest rate then you're not going to have as much market volatility. So those would be the two areas that I would look at and chat with your financial professional about that and, and which way to go. Thank you. Thanks for the you're call. Welcome. Appreciate it. Um, how often does that happen where stocks are on sale and uh, you're looking to buy and also bonds are priced well enough to buy? I mean, normally it's one or the other, right? Uh, typically, yeah. And again, <clears throat> pardon me, this is just this weird time and where we're at right now, you know, so Remember, folks, rising interest rates drop bond prices. And so you talk about the, the rising interest rate, they call that yield. And yields are, and bonds were just insane yesterday. Um, and so that drops the prices down. Now, bonds have been overpriced for probably the last five or six years, and we haven't done a ton of them. And, and, but now bonds are starting to come into the place where we can say, well, we want to put some money away for a little bit. We're not sure about the marketplace. Uh, how about a, a bond portfolio? And if you want to create some income out of it, you can ladder some bonds. And that's coming to be a real thing relatively soon. Um, I looked at, uh, you know, for my personal analysis, I looked at uh, municipal bonds, uh, Tom and uh, Richard, are you still listening? I pulled out the research on municipal bonds, and boy, we were getting some fairly good yields. You know, so you're getting in-hand interest rate on the bonds that I'd like to buy. Uh, we're finding interest rates between, you know, 275, three and a quarter, maybe even as much as three and a half on some of them. And that's a that's a um, after-tax rate of return. So before-tax rate of return, been near five. And that you can ensure the principal and the interest with them if you buy the right bonds <clears throat> excuse me so so you could really find some good stuff out there and it's gotten better since then we just we had i think 
um, now one, maybe even two more interest rate increases since then. So it means the bond prices even come down even further. Corporate bonds at the time, I couldn't find anything that I wanted that made it worth my while at looking at. But it's just about there. Um, yesterday on CMDC, what were they talking about? You have the you know the morning guys in the morning. I think they call it the squawk in the morning. And uh, they were talking about saying, hey, you know, bonds are starting to look pretty good. Well, they are. Now, they were taking more risk than I like to as far as the credit rating of the companies. But the bonds are starting to look pretty good where you can put some money in, you're going to earn an interest rate, and you're going to have a lot less volatility than you're going to see inside of a stock market. It's just about there. Now, again, when I say this, folks, and you've heard me say it if you listen to me on this program, not bond funds, actual physical bonds. Okay, so you're buying XYZ bond, and when you do so, Think about it in uh, blocks of money. You want to try to buy $25,000 minimums when you do that. You get your best price. So just a couple of heads up and tips. So if a, if a listener like Richard has cash in hand and is thinking about putting it back to work in the market, um, is this a market, uh, the lowest the market's going to go in your opinion, or uh, are we at the bottom yet? Because obviously you'd like to buy when the market bottoms out yeah. and not put the cash back in too soon. I mean, we're right back in the neighborhood we were back in June. I mean, so we're testing it again. So we jumped up and came back down. You know, is this the dead cat bounce? Who knows? Uh, the dead cat bounce, you know how that gets that name, Tom? Uh, I don't. I, I, hes- right. I hesitate to ask. Well, the term is in the marketplace, if you drop a cat off a building, it bounces once, it goes up and bounces a second time before it stops. They call it the dead cat bounce. Uh-huh. So, you know, we can look at it and say we probably had that. We're oversold now. Are we too slow? I mean, are too low? Probably. I mean, but we'll see what happens with the profit profits uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks from corporate America. Speaking of uh, witty sayings that the market likes to throw out there, I saw a story today that says there isn't going to be a Santa Claus rally this time around. Uh, around Christmas time, usually the market sees what's called a Santa Claus rally, and there are those who are suggesting that's not going to happen this year. <laughs> I, I had one that said, uh, you know, usually Santa says, ho, 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 but it's going to be so tough he's just going to say, ho. Ah, so yeah, there you go. You know, I, I think we still see um, a Santa Claus rally, and I still think we see pretty good sales because there's just so much cash out there. Um, you know, there's there's cash floating around all over the place, and we are starting to see the M2 money supply coming down a little bit, and so that's how we know inflation is getting better, though it ticked up just a tad just recently. Um, uh, it's been coming down a little bit since the beginning part of the year, and it's that M2 money supply, folks, is what we have to have come down, and that's all the cash in your wallet, Tom, which I know is several thousand dollars. <laughs> I'm does sorry. Anybody carry does cash does your wife know that? Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, so it's all the cash in our wallets, our money market accounts, savings accounts, et cetera, et cetera. So all of that stuff together creates what's called the M2 money supply. And uh, uh, Milton Friedman over here says he want to follow inflation, follow M2 money. And he's right. And he's right on the head again. Um, and fortunately, it's starting to come back a little bit. But that's got to get sucked up and spent through the system um, and our banking system now. That said, I'm getting a lot of little pet peeves off of my off of my uh, chest here this morning. Just, okay, that's well, that's good. Story. That's why we're here. So here's another one. So when the Federal Reserve increases interest rates, it doesn't have an effect on the system for six, nine, maybe one year. Six, why? Nine why months. does it take that long? It's, it's the same way as if you spend money into the system. It takes a long time before that money starts being creating what's called the economic multiplier model. So okay. this is if... Um, you get a raise at work and you take that raise and you spend it here, 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 and here. Well, now all those places have a little bit of money, so it goes through, it has to go through the system. And the same thing is with interest rates. So when interest rates go up, it's not going to slow stuff down immediately. It's going to take time for that to slow down and say, you saying as a consumer, well, I'm not going to spend that 150 bucks. Maybe I'm just going to kind of hold on to it because things might be different. 
So then it goes to the business owner saying, well, business is a little lower. Their supplier says, well, it's a little bit lower. So it takes a little bit of time. So all the interest rate increases that we've had, I think the marketplace is just erroneously believing that it's supposed to have an effect now. It's not. It's not going to have an effect probably until the beginning of the year. So if we watch M2 money supply, we watch things coming down from an inflationary standpoint, it's probably not as much to do with the Fed as it has to do with simply people cutting back and saying, okay, we got to prepare for the worst. We're seeing corporate America saying we're going to cut back, we're going to prepare, we're going to cut expenses, we're going to bring back some employees. They're all preparing for the worst. I think more the inflationary drops that we've seen are more of that than anything from the Federal Reserve at this point in time. But it'll start kicking in. So the question is, is it going to pick kick in with a hard stop in, in banks stopping lending because they can just get the interest rate from the uh, uh, Federal Reserve? Um, or is it going to be a landing that's going to uh, slow us down? Don't know yet. We'll find out. All right, 715-845-2155. We need to take a break. If, if you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed? WSAU. And we're back. I'm Tom King in the studio with Merle Kelch this morning. Kelch and Associates, 715-845-2155 is the number to call here if you have a question for Merle. Um, so what are you telling folks who are nearing retirement at this point if this problem with inflation and the uh, interest rate thing and the stock market being down is going to continue for a while? What about someone who's on the verge of retirement? Well, the best thing to do right now is to do something where you can guarantee some income stream. Um, and and uh, I'm, I'm a, a big fan of annuities that are done right. I had this conversation with somebody yesterday. And he said, well, we hear on TV that annuities are terrible. And you hear people say, I'd rather be caught dead than have an annuity. Well, obviously, I wasn't very smart, obviously, because annuities, you have the ability to do some guarantee of your income streams uh, no matter what. Now, that said, uh, annuities aren't bad, but annuities can be badly done. And you see a lot of it out there where annuities are poorly done. And we'll, we'll talk about that another time. So in here, um, people who are retiring now, we're having a portion of their income being guaranteed using annuities. And I'm a fan of using variable annuities in this time when somebody retires, because especially now, we can have the money go from the 401k into a variable annuity, guarantee income. And as the markets go up in the next number of years, um, uh, assuming that they do, of course, um, we get an increase or we get a raise. And so it, it really works out well from all standpoints. And, and so annuities can work out very well for us in doing so. Um, so when retirement comes in, it doesn't matter what the market's doing because your income is going to be set. So let's say, Tom, you're retiring tomorrow and you need $4,000 a month in which to live on and stay alive. So we take your enormous Social Security. <laughs> Why do you giggle when I say stuff like this? All right, so we take your Social Security and for ease of math, let's say it's $2,000 a month. We need $2,000 a month then from outside sources to meet the 4000 you need. And so I'm a big fan of saying, well, let's make sure we try to make that dollar amount guaranteed um, so we can leave all the other stuff adjust itself for inflation as time comes and markets jumping up and down. But we want to make sure that other 2000 is guaranteed. And so we simply do the math backwards and put that amount of money inside of annuity. So we know it's going to be guaranteed. We still have participation in the marketplace. But if uh, everything breaks loose and the money goes away, the income is still guaranteed no matter what. And so I'm a big fan of doing that. Just out of curiosity, and even if you can do the math in your head, what what kind of an investment would you need to get a $2,000 a month return on something like that? Oh, quickly? About a half a million. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's about right. Oof, okay. Yeah. So um, you, don't, you, don't, you want to be crazy with this money. Um, one of the big mistakes we see people make in times like these, again, folks, 
we're talking about a macroeconomic event that happens maybe once every 10 years or so, plus or minus, where markets are going down, interest rates are going up, and nothing seems to be going up. And the best thing you can do is not do knee-jerk reactions. I mean, knee-jerk reactions are going to kill you. Um, you know, we talked about it. Most accounts are down 20% today. And uh, we saw it go down, you know, over 4% this week, and it can jump up 5% next week. So the thing is, if you're 20% down now, you take the stuff out and it goes up 5%. Well, now you're down 20 plus the 5 you lost by not going up next week. And so the most difficult time is to see. So in, in doing that, you just ask the question, we're in a macroeconomic, macroeconomic event right now. Everything's going crazy. Your question was, what yeah, do you go on mad? Thank you. What 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 do you do with your portfolio at this yeah. point? Just just stay the course is what. You're well, you suggesting. have to stay the course. There's no doubt about that. We have to look ahead at what's going on to the future, um, and so you can still have uh, money. You can still have income. Um, uh, you can still do all those things, but you just have to bear through it. How about people who are already retired and relying on their investment portfolio to you know augment their social security? Uh, how is this all, how is this environment of high inflation and high interest rates affecting them at this point, or is it? Um, this goes back to what I was going to say before. Yes, the same question. The, the thing is, you can't do right now is you can't start doing knee jerk reactions and um, continue to keep dipping in at the same pace. So you can't have too high of an income. Some people will say, "Well, I'm going to." Uh, just increase my percentage to make sure my income is higher. So you have $100,000, you've been taking out 5000 a year. I'm a big fan of taking out no more than 5% of your portfolio for income. And some will say, well, I need a little bit more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, do this building or I'm going to buy a new car. So I'm going to take out uh, you know, 20% this year. Well, times like this, you may not recover for a long time, if at all, because you're dipping into that's one of the, Again, that's part of the discipline of the hardest thing. So for those that are already retired, living on retirement dollars, depending upon where you are, you have to look at where your income is coming. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of us saying, well, let's keep, continue to keep selling stuff in the marketplace. Some people have to. I mean, that's the way it goes. We take a little bit off. But again, I'm a big fan of not taking out more than 5% of income. A lot of people see over the course of the last few years where they're making, you know, 20% and 15% and rates of returns, they want to start taking out 8 or 10% because we can afford so. No, no, they just take out the five because of years and times like this happen. Now we have a little bit of reserve to look at. So I said before, you know, when we talk with clients, you know, we look at 21 and say, geez, we had a great year. We gave it all back this year. Well, if we look at things in the longer term, this is kind of a normalcy. But the, uh, uh, the unfortunate part is, is, you know, this year stinks. But we have to look at over that longer term. So, again, don't take out more than 5%, especially now. I would be a strong suggestion to not take money out of your investments to jump in for big purchases, I would simply wait, you know, after the first of the year, until we get a little bit more uh, headway, took a look at things in an economy where inflation interest rates going, and now is just not the time to do that at this point in time. So, Tom, you're going to have to just wait on that Jaguar till later. <laughs> I, I was seeing suggestions from some of the politicians, of course, as, you know, as uh, venal as they are, say, well, you should just, uh, if you're a retired person, if you're in your, you know, 80s and retired, maybe just go back to work a little bit to cover these shortfalls. That uh, that, that should should solve the problem. Uh, <laughs> well, I would imagine you're going to have, you have your clients that uh, maybe are taking a big hit that are suggesting maybe they have to go back to pick up some work somewhere in order to augment what's going on. Well, we have a lot of wives that suggest their husbands ah, go back to work, yeah, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. All right, you know, all right. So. 
We need to take a break here for some news. We're going to come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. One in five of us is bullied. One in three of us is overweight or obese. One in five of us will experience mental distress before we even turn 17. Adults, we need you. You're the number one influence in my life. If you're more involved with my health and education, I'm more likely to make healthier choices, have greater self-esteem, and do better in school. Be my action hero. Learn how you can take action at actionforhealthykids.org. We are the... We are lions. We bring hope where it's needed. We are a global force for good. Support causes that matter. Change lives. Change communities. Change the world. We can do more together than we can alone. Join in. Experience the joy of serving. Be part of the movement. Give back. Let's unite the world for good. We are Lions. You can be too. Visit WeServe.org. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. All right, we are back. I'm Tom King in the studio. Merle Kelch joining us in the studio today as well. Phone lines are open, 715-845-2155. You had something you wanted to jump into. I wanted to jump in. I put, made notes before when we were talking. I forgot to mention these two things. We were talking about bonds and interest rates and that whole bit. Um, folks, if you're a money market person, watch around because you're starting to see the online money market interest account or interest on money market accounts. They're starting to jump up. Um, I saw an online bank doing 2.6% on money market accounts. Now, the importance of that, folks, is that because money market accounts then will start driving CD rates, and we'll see the CD rates here coming up, too. So for whatever that's worth, I want to make sure that people know that. And I got a lot of phone calls last week about I-bonds. Everybody wants to talk about the I-bonds because the rate of return, I think, until October 22nd is going to be 9.6% for the next six months. And we look at that and say, well, geez, that's fantastic. It is. But make sure you go through and do the rules, and you can find that stuff on treasurydirect.org. Um, and the rules are essentially that you have to have the money inside of I-bonds at least for one year. Uh, there's a $10,000 maximum per account. Um, and uh, uh, if you take it out uh, uh, within five years, you have, in, uh, I think, six, month interest, six months of interest penalty or three months. I don't you know, look it up, uh, folks, to be exactly sure where it is. But So that is a long-term investment when you're looking at it. Well, it is, but you're, they, they set, up the, set the interest rates in six months, six-month increments of what it's going to be based upon a base rate um, and inflation. And so... With inflation being high and the base rate going up with the Federal Reserve, um, they're, they're not going to be bad investments over the next couple of months. And I'm not telling you to run out there, folks. It's right for everybody. You know, chat with your financial professional about doing so. Um, but if there if but there was them directly. if there was an investment that was almost right for everybody, I would imagine I bonds or savings bonds has to be one of them, right? Uh, no, you can't say that. Okay, all right. Right now we can. Okay. So yeah, we look at. You know, Tom, you hit upon something because you said, what's the one investment that's right for everybody? There isn't. Because um, every investment that's good today might stink in five years. You know, if we go back 10 years ago, if I remember right, I think the uh, the rate you got, you got on an I-bond was minus something. Because there wasn't hardly any inflation and the base rate was near zero. And so you, you wouldn't buy an I-bond because you lost money in buying it. It didn't make any sense to own them. 
But right now they're great. Okay. So you look at it and say, well, what about double E's? Double E's are great. You know, they pay an interest rate. The government's always paying. Yeah, but they only pay it for a certain period of time. And then if you factor in the taxes um, and you factor in inflation on, well, double E's are some benefits. But when you factor that stuff into it, you're usually not getting ahead. And so there's always a mixture of some investments can be better than another. So hence one of the reasons you don't just put all of your money inside of one place or one thing. You know, if you buy mutual funds, you don't buy one, you buy a dozen because they're all going to be different. Um, if you buy stocks, you don't buy one, you buy a dozen because they all work differently. So like anything else, things are going to have their time to make money. You know, Jim Cramer always says you can always make money in the market. His job is to help you find where it is. Right now it's kind of tough. You know, he's you know like me, you know, jumping out of the window. Mine's on a first story, so I just <laughs> get scratched up a little bit. But, right. you know, yeah. Um, but you have to look around at things. But there's there's no one thing that's ever right for everybody. Um, but there's multiple things that can work today, next year, the year after, three years after. Um, so that's the place you want to start moving you know, money back and forth if you need to or start concentrating on one area or another, that type of thing. Remember the old uh, movies and the uh, reels, newsreels would show when there was uh, turmoil in the marketplace. They would show the floor of the New York Stock Exchange and all of the traders going crazy, you know, throwing paper up in the air and yelling and screaming at whoever was supposed to be writing all this stuff down. I could never figure out how they could kept track of everything with all the yelling and screaming and throwing of stuff uh, that was going on. Um, I would imagine it doesn't happen that way anymore. Everything's more electronically driven and everything. But in Well, a, they're still yelling and screaming and papers it, all over the place, but uh, now digitally makes it faster. Yeah, so. well, in a time like this, um, I would imagine it may be – easier to make moves and to avoid big losses than it was back in those days because of the electronic uh, nature of the beast? It, it can be. Um, the, the, the ability to move inside of the marketplace and buy and sell, Tom, everybody listening, is, 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 is almost instant. So if you, Tom, you know, had an account with me and let's say you had 5000 bucks sitting there and you said, well, geez, I want to buy XYZ company. Can we do it? I'll say, yeah, hold on. Click. All right, done bought i mean that fast so because of computers and digitally it happens that quick that fast the principles of how they did it 200 years ago are the same i mean uh, 100 years ago probably um but uh the principles are the same it's just faster now with computer systems so for somebody yelling out and saying well buy i'll sell buy sell buy sell the people that are yelling out to is a person called a specialist on the new york stock exchange at least and so that specialist, his job is to only buy and to only sell one particular stock. And that's what they do. It's an entity. It used to be a person, but it's an entity. So they're saying we're buying it. And the books that they're holding on to is, is their trade sheets. So there's an order of entry that stuff has to be done. And now, again, it's all digitally, but it's still all the same principles. It all happens, just happens a lot faster. So I read an article um, actually for last weekend's show where they talked about somebody saying, you know, I lost $100,000 in my account. Can I sue my financial advisor because he didn't tell me that it was going down? Oh, there's going to be a bunch of this coming up. I guarantee it. A, it always happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, everybody, everybody forgets uh, what their advisor told them when the stock market goes down. So I've been in this business long enough that it always happens. Um, but in here, uh, they said, well, because somebody told me we could put stop loss to the investments. Well, a stop loss, folks, is if you buy a stock and you bought it at $10 a share and it goes up to $100 per share and you're all excited. And you said, well, I don't want to go be, uh, below $80 a share. Um, because I'm just want to have it sold out. Well, okay, that sounds good. It's a 20% drop from your high. Everybody's good, except when we have markets whipsawing as they are right now, it might go through and sell out, and you think, well, I didn't want to sell it. Well, you're sold out because you put a stop loss in there. So it tends to 
uh, really whipsaw your portfolio when you put stop losses in there. You're better out just simply saying, well, if it hits this number, I'm just going to take the profit and, and and commit to being selling it versus putting a stop loss in there. And so some people think that's going to cure it, and it doesn't. It'll get you out of a stock. Stop, but, stop loss sounds like it's uh, it's for the lazy investor who doesn't want to watch the market every day. Uh, kind of. I mean, it can kind of be used that way. Um, a lot of times people will put it in there and say, well, I'm going to accept a certain amount of profit. And as time goes up, they put it in there and they'll put a stop loss behind an individual stock and it sells out. But if it's a stock you want to own for five years and it just got whipsawed and you got a stop loss, well, now you probably sold it and you're probably going to end up having taxes on it too, depending upon where you bought it at. Um, so it can be a tool, but it can also be a danger from the, the whipsaw of the market up and down or the volatility. All right, let's go to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Uh, this is Rick. Rick, go ahead. Morning, Rick. Hey, Rick. I don't mean to get off, or uh, Merle, I don't mean to get off subject here, um, but I've got a question on ETFs, mm-hmm. and it in, it involves the uh, when the trading platform says the net asset value is below the current ET, ETF price or vice versa. Uh, like, okay, say the, uh, the, uh, do, you, do you understand where I'm going here? You know, I'm trying, I'm having a difficult time trying to explain it, but. Sure. I, I'd have to when I'd have, the <clears throat> Rick, I'd have to see the current of price of the ETF yeah. ETF um, uh, is below what the actual value of something is, like silver or gold. Well, not say silver or gold. I mean, it could be an oil ETF. It could any ETF when the net asset value yeah. is below. The current trading price. Are you getting it at a? Are you getting at a at a discount then, or you mean at the for the commodity standpoint? For buy, well, buying it at that point, uh, th- this might be able to help you, Rick. Let me let me, well, let me use the well, example. Is it a value? Is it does it give you a better value when the when the net asset value is below? Yeah. Yeah. Or. Or, or above the current trading price. I, let, let me see if this Thanks helps. For the call. Let me see if this helps, Rick. So so let's say we have uh, gold at $1,000 a share, and it's not. It's much more than that, folks. But I'm going to use this as an example, Rick. If we have gold at $1,000 per share and I go out and buy the gold directly, I'm going to have to pay a premium or a discount if I buy or sell it. If I buy it through an ETF, uh, they might get a better price on buying it, but they're going to pay some sort of a premium or a discount for it too. Um, so is it going to be closer? Yeah, it's going to be a lot closer and something we can buy and sell more easily in an ETF. But then remember, the ETF has also got a fee to it. So depending upon the ETF, it could be 0.2, could be 0.6, could be 1. Uh, but you have that fee to it as well. So inside of an ETF, whatever you're buying, um, uh, it's going to be a little bit less as far as the price goes than if you bought it directly, whatever that ETF has. Just because, again, um, ETFs don't work for free, and the people who manage them don't work for free. There's always a few shekels that come out of it. So what you're buying by having the ETF is you have the ability to buy that basket of goods, services, companies, 
I mean, you have the ability to buy and sell them more quickly than if you did it all themselves. For example, if we did the an ETF of um, um, only small cap companies, well, um, if we went and bought each one of the small cap companies, um, and there's more than this, but let's say there's a dozen small cap companies, and we can go through and buy all of them individually, and we have to pay the commissions and fees to buy each one of those companies, is where if we bought the ETF of those small cap companies, we just had to buy one thing. And so we're paying a small fee for the service of that type of ease and diversification for that ETF. But make no mistake about it, if we buy the stuff directly, we're probably going to get a better price than if we're buying it through or via an ETF. And again, I'm not saying ETFs are bad by any stretch of the imagination, but we're buying that convenience of the ETF, just like a mutual fund. We're buying the convenience of the diversification inside of an ETF as well. We're buying the convenience of the diversification if we're using it's a stock ETF or whether it's commodities. We're buying the convenience of being able to use that more easily inside of our portfolio. So, Rick, I hope that helped you out. All right, 715-845-2155. We need to take another break. We'll come back with more. If you have a question from Earl, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Now, this day, here's Chris Connolly. You will probably hear a... Sleep. I exercise, I eat healthy. Hi, I'm Adam. At first, I was in denial. My wife, Lauren, was only 30. But I'm familiar with signs of stroke and know symptoms aren't always easy to recognize. I quickly realized that something was very wrong. Lauren's speech was slurred and her face was drooping. She was having a stroke and I had to react immediately. I'm so thankful Adam called 911 and I quickly received the medical attention that I needed. Now I don't take anything for granted, especially the time I get to spend with my family. Going through this experience has given me a new appreciation for life. Looking back, I'm so grateful I didn't hesitate to call 911. A quick reaction can make all the difference. Learn signs of stroke and call 911 immediately if something seems off with someone you love. Visit strokeawareness.com. Sponsored by Genentech and NAEMT. The highs. Inflation persisting. Energy bills. People coming across the border. High crime. The lows. The stock market plummeted. Division. From the MAGA Republicans. From the far left. And happening in the middle. All right, guys, we got to go. Your busy life. We meet you in the middle news today. Highs, lows, and everything happening in between. It's life heard every day. You heard it here. Central Wisconsin's News Talk, WSAU. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. We're back. I'm Tom King in the studio. Merle Kelch joining us today, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. As we head toward retirement and you've got a 401k at your place of employment, when you reach your retirement date, what happens to that 401k and what you, should you do with it at that point? You squander it at the casino. No, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a question we get pretty frequently, Tom, is, is uh, you know, how do I get the money out of my 401k and turn it into money in my hand? And the process is relatively simple, but I always recommend to people don't do it on your own. I'm not saying you can't. Um, but but don't, because if you screw something up, it's going to end up becoming a taxable mess and a problem at some point in time. So um, what you do, <coughs> excuse me, 
is you you literally open up an IRA account with no money. And uh, then secondarily, you move the money from your 401k into it. And so that's either going to go one of two ways. Um, one of them is if you have some of the bigger carriers like you know Fidelity and Vanguard and some of those that are managing the 401k, they simply want to know what's the account number, where is the account number, where is the money, and they uh, you know, send the money over. Um, but for most people, it usually ends up becoming the case that you have to fill out some paperwork. And your financial professional should fill it out for you because they do it every week and you're going to do it once or maybe twice in your lifetime. So they fill out that paperwork and they send a check to you in the name of the investment account that it's going to or the brokerage account. And so I've only had it happen twice in my career where somebody got the check and cashed it at the bank. Yeah. And the bank wasn't supposed to take it because the check wasn't made out to the individuals, made out to the custodian of the other IRA. Um, and so you take it there and you put it in. Now you have all the paperwork trail and the money goes inside of whatever the investment account is. And then wherever you're going to invest it from there is where you go. So it's a relatively simple process, but it doesn't start out when you say, okay, I'm going to retire and I'm going to do something. You usually start out before retirement, talk to your financial professional, find one, um, chat with them ahead of time and say, here's what I think I want to do, whatever the case may be. Um, here's what I have. And then uh, from there, set up the accounts, transfer the money, and have it ready to go for retirement. And it, it, it's not instant. Many people think, well, geez, I'm going to retire. And, uh, and so right away, I'm going to start having a check right away. Well, generally not. Um, Usually, you have to retire before you can move the money from your 401k. Uh, they're all waiting for what's called separation of service before you can move the monies. And so the recommendation we have for many people is to make sure you have 45 or 60 days worth of cash when you retire inside of your checkbook so you can make your expenses for those two months because it takes that amount of time to have the money start showing up inside of your checking account from your investments wherever you invest them. And that's one of the biggest people go, oh, what? I'm retiring. I just want to get the check. <laughs> eh, you got to wait for it to turn on. And to get started. Then once it gets going, it's it's pretty flawless from there. Do most people start taking out of their 401k immediately, or do they wait till down the road? All depends. Upon you don't the have to right away. Yeah, you don't have to. Um, it all depends upon the individual. Um, uh, we have some people who retired before 59 and a half, and they said, "Well, we're just going to live on our savings for the the year until we uh, start turning on. So they're going to wait until next year. We'll start turning it down." Um, so it all depends upon the individual and how you have it set up. We want to set the income. And that's pretty easy to do. Remember my 5% rule, no more than 5% of what you have for the assets. So where it comes from initially is okay. You know, some people retire at 61 waiting for Social Security at 62. Well, we just make sure that we plan that we have enough in the nest egg to spend through until Social Security, for example, starts. So it's all that's all part of the planning process and how you look at that. Um, relatively simple to do. We just have to make sure we do, do that. Do most people look at the reasoning that uh – Maybe they'll take the money now because they're in good enough shape to enjoy it and take trips and, and, and use the money now. Whereas if they wait until they're in their, you know, 80s or even 90s, you're not going to be spending a lot on, on trips when you're 90 years old or you're not going to be, you know, skydiving unless you're the first George Bush who did that <laughs> when he was 90. Huh? But um, so there's a different way of looking at it as far as when you use that money. Um, everybody has their own pretty good opinion on how to do so. Uh, we had some people in our office this past week, and they said, how's retirement treating? And he said, well, geez, we've just been really, really busy. I said, and they were always wanted to travel, and we you know, built it in their, their numbers and their budget. They're going to have a certain amount of money each month put away for traveling and a big trip or two each year. And he said, well, we haven't, had, haven't been able to do any of it. And what's interesting is we find this much more than we might believe, um, especially as uh, you know, we're in our 60s. Uh, mom and dad tend to be in their 80s. And so there's a lot of work that has to be done with mom and dad and in that whole bit as time goes on. And it tends to suck away a lot more time than we might believe. Um, uh, you know, our time disappears that we'd want to take on vacation. We have to take care of mom and dad and 
and appointments and that whole bit. Uh, myself included today, I'm driving Miss Daisy. So, folks, if you guys uh, know my mom, she doesn't have a chance to get out of the house too much anymore. So we're driving around to see colors. And I was informed that I'm also buying dinner at uh, Red Lobster in Green Bay today. So this ah. is, uh, so yeah, so not only buying to Miss Daisy, but I'm feeding her too. So. Okay, well, good, good luck with that. Um, well, we're just about out of time for today. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Do that. Well, I got one quick thing I want to say. Warren Buffett said if I'm going to buy a stock that I want to hold for 10 years, I don't want to own it today. And uh, they've been buying a ton of stock through Berkshire Hathaway with Warren Buffett in the last couple of weeks. So just to let you know. Folks, stop in and see us, 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street, Wausau, Wisconsin. Come on in, uh, kick the tires, say hello and hi, have a cup of coffee. You can give us a call locally at 715-849-3600. Toll free outside of the Wausau area at 866-355-5100. If it's turned on, we're switching to a new phone system. Or find us online at kelsinassociates.com. All right, we'll talk to you again down the road. See you next week. We've got the news on the way. The Polka Show is coming up. And uh, just a programming note today, the Brewers and Reds tonight, that game will be moved to our sister station, 93.9 The Game and AM 1390, uh, because of uh, Badger football right here. The Badgers in their big matchup with Ohio State. They're on the road at Columbus, and Badger game day begins here at 4.30 this afternoon on WSAU. I had an important job, and it wasn't just a job, it was keeping my brothers and sisters safe and coming back.